Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for your peace. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for your word that ministers unto us as a lamp unto our feet, as a good seed that is planted so that we might receive a glorious harvest that shows the world wonderful fruit, that your word tonight would be a sword that would be double-edged and pierce us at the depth of who we are so that we can also pursue what you desire for us to pursue, that we be zealous in being able to choose a companion for our children because this is the essence of passing down faith from one generation to the next. So be glorified tonight, and we pray that you open the eyes of our understanding so that we might be zealous about these things and be serious and see our children come into the fulfillment of the plans of God for their lives. In Jesus' name, prosper this word in the hearts of your people in the entire world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, many people would have this topic be a laughing matter. Um, I've, I've, because of my profession, I've seen the destruction that takes place over a lifetime because of the introduction and the initial gathering of a man and a woman who make light of it. Um, there was an ex explanation here of a flight attendant that needed to, to find um, some hours of training in the Colorado uh, Rockies. And she was taken by the mountain peaks, the clear blue skies, and the sweet-smelling pines. She, she thought, I mean, her time of training as a flight attendant in Colorado was just like, just incredible scenic view and she actually ran into an available eligible bachelor who began to charm her and he owned and operated a cattle ranch and he lived in a log cabin so at the end of the week when she finishes her training as a flight attendant several weeks Mr. Wonderful proposes but it was happening so quickly, she didn't know what to do. She decided to fly back home. And her job, uh, riding back home on the, the following flight, um, she was trying to find for some weight of proof that she was to marry this man. And so the next day when she was flying out, she find herself just wondering what to do. Should I? Should I not? And... She got out of her seat and went to the restroom and she's splashing some cold water on her face when all of a sudden the airplane started going through turbulence and got a little bumpy and the light inside the restroom turned on. Please return to the cabin. She's, she thought that was the log cabin. This is a sign from God. And... A lot of people use these type of things to pick their lifelong companion. Friend of ours 
went out to the store and bought some slippers. Uh, she was told that if she acted in faith, God would answer in faith. And she bought some slippers and put them under her bed. And she says, whatever man comes and these fit, that's my husband. Well, her air conditioning broke down the following week. And the air conditioning mechanic who had four kids and was married for 20 years came into her room and put on those slippers. And so she married the guy. She says, this is it. This is proof. Those are just examples of what happens in the many crazy ways of how people pick their husbands. Um, these are true stories, and I'm sure that you know a lot of crazier ones, um, how people just go and get married. The other thing was how God chooses our companions, how God desires for us to walk in a manner that is able to lead us. We go to Genesis chapter 24, and I don't know how it happens, but this entire chapter deals with the aspect of finding that person that we are going to start a family with. And it's much more grounded than what we've heard so far. Um, we see here in Genesis 24, Abraham was old and well advanced in age, verse 1. Genesis 24, 1. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. He's prosperous, he's blessed. Verse 2, so Abraham said to his oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, this is, um, this is a delegating of authority to his most faithful servant in the house. He was over all the responsibilities in the house. And to him, Abraham is entrusted to oversee this matter. Uh, one thing that is similar years ago. Uh, my uncle comes up to me and he says, look, there's a guy out in California wants to marry my daughter, Julietica, and he's coming into town, and I want you to sit down with this man. So we were able to meet with John Davis, and he had that experience of what it is to be entrusted and see the zeal we had before we hand over our treasure. John Davis still remembers um, emphatically that this was not a, a high, listen to, to some Led Zeppelin experience, smoking marijuana, and I just had a vision. I think you and I should get married. This was grounded really quickly. Son, do you understand you're asking for our most highest and prized possession, and this is no small matter? This transaction is not to be lightly taken. It doesn't happen, and then we go check out who this guy is. I, I want to commend you publicly, John Davis, of how you moved in a godly direction <laughs> to honor that family and that daughter and that father and this church, and it was powerful. Uh, I thought I would never see him again. 
I thought, okay, he's going back west. He's, he's leaving. But he, he grounded himself and said, now I have a clear vision of what I'm supposed to do so I can get incredible treasure. And so entrusted with the highest degree of treasure. This is, this is the sentiment. And this does not happen in our day and age. It doesn't happen. A lot of our daughters are meeting and a lot of our sons are meeting their, 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 their companions outside of the context of scrutiny and questions and, and understanding and grounding. But here we have a clear expression. Um, Abraham telling his most faithful servant, the one who had been there the longest, who had the responsibility over all. And he's not making this lightly. A lot of marriages begin with, go ask your mother. If your mother thinks it's okay, it's fine. Not here. We see it in the realm of the father's responsibility. And he says, please, it's, it's not, not just I'm going to give you a task or a chore, put your hand under my thigh. In the biblical times, um, this was a solemn, sacred commitment, an oath. Verse 3. And he has the young man swear, I will make you swear before God of the heavens and before he who rules the earth. That you will not just go find anyone as a wife for my son. This, this is not going to be any gal. This is not she shows up and she's pretty and she's in. You're to promise me that she's not going to be just any daughter. And she'll especially not be a daughter from amongst the Canaanites. Now the Canaanites are those... Uh, of the surrounding nations have no fear of God, have no vision, they have no understanding. Let me just tell you something. Um, these women made their living outside the home. They were acquainted with street lingo. They weren't part of families. They weren't honoring their homes. They weren't honoring their fathers. They weren't part of the spiritual community. This is what Abraham is telling uh, his servant. This is not going to be just any girl who shows up. And she's definitely not going to be one of those gals among whom we dwell. So they're, they're all over the place. This is the land of, um, and some preacher said it this way, he says, God has sons and the devil has daughters. So we're definitely not going to pick somebody who steals the peace of our son for the rest of his life. It's going to be a woman who fears God, who is a refreshing to be able to form the legacy of family as per God. And so he says, take an oath. This is sacred. I commit to you. One condition, she's not going to be from around here. Verse 4. She's not going to be just anybody that shows up. You shall go to my country. You go deep-seated where we're born from. 
and to my family. Uh, family is very unusual. Family has certain values and traditions that other families don't. That's what makes it a family. In our family, we didn't ride motorcycles because dad was a brain surgeon. He didn't, he didn't want to operate on us. He had operated on many people. In our family, we didn't play football because he had operated a lot of people who were paraplegic. So our family did not consider this a contemptual. They weren't biblical laws. They weren't Ten Commandments. They were family rules. And since we were honoring our father, we, did, we played all sports, we, all kinds of sports, but we didn't touch the things that our father wanted us to honor. And not because uh, there was issue with them in the spiritual realm, but because God establishes family uh, with certain paradigms that make you part of that family. So um, all the, the underpinnings of of being part of that family would be something that is not an issue. He says, I don't want to bring somebody into our family that is going to go in a direction that's not consistent with what our family is called to. And there, go to my country, go to my family. There's a lot of people over the years that says, they're a Christian. They could be all the Christian they want, have a nice life. Uh, but we, we, we're in this family... Um, there is a grooming that takes place. The word parenting, you should look it up sometime. Uh, parenting is not a, um, there's not an apathy towards it. There's not an indifference. Parenting is, is a job. It's, it's something that you have to go out of your way and, 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 and go through stress and suffering and hardships. And you parent your child. Grooming the same way. Uh, one of the examples that we have in modern times is King Edward VIII. Since 1934 uh, and before that, in his childhood, his father was the king of England. And so his father groomed him as the firstborn son to be the next king of England. Now you're in that family. You're not being prepared to be an electrician or a plumber or a lawyer or a doctor. You're, you're being groomed to be the king of the nation. So when you're being groomed to be the king, you go through a ton of royalty and nobility requirements. Why? You're going to be the expression of the entire nation. You're going to be the example. Um, and you know what he does when he becomes king, his father dies, and they crown him king, he, decide, he decides he's not going to live at that level of scrutiny. So for you, what you guys want for me is not what I want for me. So you guys want me to marry a woman who doesn't have issues, a wife that is not from the land? Um, you guys don't want me to marry. So he married an American woman who had already been divorced and had left her family. And they said, well, you know something? If you marry her, you can't continue to be the king of England. And he goes, I don't care. And right in the middle of the beginnings of World War II, this man leaves the throne of England. And he abdicates. That's the word of he runs from the throne to cater 
to a woman that is not what a king needs as the first lady and as the, uh, the queen of England. So the scenario was that his little brother was named the king. And in that moment where Hitler is attacking Germany, is attacking France, and now is going to begin to launch air raids over England, he goes over to Germany, the older brother, and starts giving Hitler some advice. And he's telling Hitler, look, they want to defend you on this side, but if you go around the back, you're going to win the war. So now he is betraying the homeland, leaving with a woman who shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have been with, who wasn't backing and supporting him. Um, and when Church, uh, Winston Churchill and his brother, who's the king, the prime minister and the king, find out that King Edward is not only unable to exercise his calling, that from a little child he was grown up to be the number one man in all of England, he not only ran away from that and says, I don't want to live at that level of scrutiny and standard, and I don't care, and I'm going to do my own thing. He starts trading with Hitler information. According to history, they say that, that Hitler was promising, as soon as I attack England, then I'll let you be a king with your own rules. So that was why he was giving him information. But when Winston Churchill found out, and his little brother, his second brother, um, who was now king, found out, they said, you know, we should take reprisal. We should put you in jail. We should come against you as a traitor of England. But what we're going to do is we're going to exile. That's what they used to do when you were in trouble with your nation. You weren't allowed to be in the nation. So they, they, they said, you have to leave and you have to go to the Bahamas. And the Bahamas was an English colony. So imagine you called to be the, the, an authority in the kingdom. And you decide I'm not going to live at that level of scrutiny. What God wants for my life to rule a nation and to sit on a throne, I'm not interested. I want to live subservient. I want to have a standard less than God's standard. And that's what a woman who's not a godly woman will make you live. Because we have a teaching. He's been teaching this for years. It's called the kingmaker. And who's a kingmaker? A godly wife. She's not a puppet maker. She doesn't lower the standard. She doesn't remove her husband from authority and honor and victory. She establishes him in his, the greatest man has the greatest woman behind him. You'll see that. You'll see a godly woman will raise up the standard of where God is calling her man. And so God has given us perfect help. And you can shout amen right now. I am. Amen. God has given us our perfect helper. Now, he leaves the kingdom. He moves to France. And the only reason he comes back to England is because Hitler conquers France. And now he's living in England, talking with Hitler, and now they tell him, you got to leave, and they exile him to the Bahamas. Now, my friends, I don't know if you have been in the Bahamas, but the Bahamas is no place for a king to rule. In Spanish, we call it un chalco de agua. It's, it's, it's an embarrassing thing. 
That God has called you to high standards of ruling the nations as a prince, and you chose to be a little gang leader down the street, rapping and, and jumping and, and, and following the ways of the world. And so this is what's happening, and this is why Abraham is telling his servant, you're not going to just pick anyone because just anyone will destroy my son and will destroy our legacy and will not cause this thing to go forward. In Genesis chapter 24, he goes on to tell him, it won't be one of the daughters of the Canaanites, but you shall go to my country, to my family, and take a wife for my, for my son Isaac. Verse 5. And, the, you know, as soon as the standard of God comes, what comes next? We all know because we're people of faith. The doubt. Did God really want to make me a king? Does God really want me to marry that type of woman? Well, what if it doesn't come through? And so all the things became, and we've become experts at not going for God. And the, the vision of this church is there's not going to be any excuses for us to get there. Because if God is with us, who could be against us? If God said it would happen, we believe it. And so it doesn't matter whatever the scene looks like. Ours is the promised land because, like Caleb said, listen, if God said it, I want it. And it's going to happen. And they said, but, but Caleb, what, what part of the promised land? He goes, the best part, the highest hills where the most fierce giants are called Hebron. I don't want just a little bit, I'm already married, everything is good, I'm a, I'm a happy Christian, I'm just sitting right there. No, I want to fight the most, that place that the devil doesn't want to let go, that God says is mine, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Get out of the way. Nothing is going to stop me from doing what God wants in my life. I want to see his glory. I want to see the reality of God. So it doesn't matter how dark it gets. And this is what happens. The servant begins to question Abraham. And, and these You'll have to deal with, because there'll be a million, I remember those years, waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled. I, I remember. And the people are like, man, everybody's been married but you, Joaquin, what's going on? Well, I had a little trouble because I'm a little bit uglier. And I was going to finish law school, and there's a whole bunch of setbacks. I wanted a Proverbs 31. I wasn't just going to marry anything. I wanted what God promised. So the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. That's a setback right there. What if what you're saying about what God is going to do doesn't happen? And that's where you have to decide, are you vested and are you into this? Because there is no way I was going to compromise. No way. No way am I going to walk off with less than what God has promised. Verse 6. Oh, no, look what he says. I'm sorry. Go, let's go back to 5. He says, if the woman is so grounded in that land that she does not want and she's not willing to follow me. All the men say, follow me. Follow me. If she's not following you, it's not the one. If you're following her. You're headed for turbulence and trouble. We could even call it TNT. Turbulence and trouble. For those men who don't have wives that follow them. Honey, 
God is saying this. Don't want that. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Everybody say compromise. compromise. This is always an opportunity. You can be the one who does the King Edward. I'm not going to go where God is calling me. I'm not. Listen to me. The saddest day in history for me, and modern times has not told us this in our history classes at school, but the saddest day for me is when a king is jumping on a boat going to the Bahamas and bombs are being dropped on the people he's called to protect. He's called to defend that motherland. He's called to stand on the throne and to defend any adversity and opposition. This is our calling in the kingdom. And the saddest day is when the day that the bombs are coming, we have spineless, no courage, no character gentlemen that are, that are on their way. And you can see this on YouTube. You can see his welcoming to the Bahamas. And on that day that he left England, the bombs began to fall over London. And when the bombs began to fall over London, the next morning, it was so devastating. Buildings on the floor. Everything is, is under the assault of Hitler's Nazis. And you have the little brother who now is the king with Winston Churchill walking through the rubble, hugging, encouraging, defending, and standing on behalf of England. And this other, I, I can't say anything else, but he's a clown. This clown is in a little island, exiled, with no honor with no integrity, with no character, carrying the poodle of this witch. Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow. Should I go and take your son back to that land? I, I, I was just talking to Pastor Omar before we came out here, and there's one reason why we're so intense about our passion to honor God because we still remember where we came from we still remember our lives without Jesus Christ our homes were broken we haven't forgotten it's been 32 years and some people have not forgotten where they're going back to so he's the servant saying if she doesn't want to come do we go back and we live like we used to before we started the journey of faith verse 6 he says, not only will you not take a woman from that land, from this land, but you will not take my son back. Abraham said to him, beware. Be on your guard. Uh, somebody said that if you go to read this in its original text, there's such a strong usage of the language of you better not do one thing. And you better not. Let my son go back to where we came from. That's, that's what's going on here. And so this is something that, that we are observing Abraham's intensity. Um, let's continue on to verse 7. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family 
and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land, and he will send his angels before you. There's, there's promises as to why we're going in this direction. And you shall take a wife for my son from there. You're going to be able to continue on the legacy of God's game plan for our family. Uh, he was telling the servant, listen, th these aren't my crazy ideas. God is in this whole thing. And because God is in this whole thing, he has a special person who's going to participate to bring the seed into the promised land. Verse 8. God is involved. Make sure that God is involved with these matters. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, if she becomes so strong that she has other ideas about the direction that your legacy and family are to go, then you will be released from the oath. Don't even worry about it. Only make sure that you do not compromise by taking my son back there. This is really strong. Um, nobody... We know in modern times, they're talking about slaves on Sunday on being a doulos of the Lord and not a servant, but a sold, somebody purchased, somebody that doesn't have a preference or an opinion about the matter. It's a done deal. And so we know that there cannot be any imposition to this. I cannot make any person upon the earth, nobody in my family, nobody in our church, nobody ever, anywhere I go to preach, force upon them. To be a slave of Jesus Christ. This comes about through personal revelation and surrender. Nobody is going to force you to do this. This is something that you will testify by your acts. I don't own myself. I do what the Lord wants. That's, that's, that's what my life is about. People are like, well, you should be a mayor. You should be a lawyer. You should do, I, I should a lot of things. But guess what? I'm a slave. I don't do what I want. I don't do what looks good. I don't do what is a preference. Um, and trusting the Lord in what he's called me to do is my, my, my greatest pleasure. That's, that's it. That, that's settled in my heart in that direction. Make sure you don't take my son back there. Verse 9. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him, Concerning this matter, we're on the same page. There is nothing. Let me tell you something that there's nothing greater than being able to entrust someone who's going to do what you ask them to do. And that, that's the real challenge about being a servant. When we're talking about Sunday, we didn't say this, but we'll say it tonight. That you can tell a slave by the reaction when he's treated like one. You can tell a slave. He, he's like... Listen, exactly what you said. That's exactly what I'm going to deliver. I'm not going to add to it. I'm not going to take away from it. Verse 10. Then the servant took his ten of his master's camels. This becomes part of the entourage that's going to depart. For all his master's good were in his hand. He took great supply. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, the city of Nahar. He approached that land from which that woman is going to go. Um, you, you're not going to find the person you're looking for in a, the land that's opposite. Uh, you want a godly woman, you're going to find her in a godly place. Uh, 
uh, you want a godly husband? I, my concern is who says he's godly? Where does he serve? How does he participate? And so he went into the land. That's where he was going to. A lot of people nowadays are going into a Christian mingle and Christian partnership and, and find yourself a date. And I don't know how they do that, but to me, that's rolling the dice. Verse 11, to go to a specific place, he made his camels kneel down outside the city in the specific place where Abraham told him, buy a well of water at the evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. So he is spying out the land. Um, I've had women in our divorce uh, career that... After 20 years of marriage, the husband comes in to get a divorce, and he says, listen, that's it. I'm sick and tired. This woman does not cook. I said, my friend, that woman never cooked. Can't ask to be refreshed when you did not have that at the outset. But he goes to the precise place where women are busy. And you're going to see the next, the next verse, verse 12. He's in that place looking for the provision and he said and this is this is this becomes the most powerful verse in this entire chapter as he calls upon the name of the Lord this this is how I got my mate I pray that this is how you get yours too you lift up your voice to the God of heaven and say my master Abraham please give me success this day O God God of my master Abraham and show kindness and favor to my master Abraham. Verse 13. He puts a fleece out there. Behold, here I stand by the well of water. And the daughters, the daughters of the men of this city are coming out to draw water. Verse 14. All the women are coming. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I might drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Um, they've tried to make the mathematical equation of how much 10 camels drink when they've come across the desert. Anybody have a clue? The research is hundreds of gallons of water that she is going to pull out of this well. To refresh not only the servant of Abraham, but the ten camels. That does away with a character component of laziness. You're not supposed to pick a lazy wife. So she says, he says, let her say, let me, let me drink and let your camels also drink. And let her be the one you have appointed. Give me a sign of the intensity of her diligence. For your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And so he has his, his filter and his guidelines. And it's a good thing to have a diligent wife. And all the men say amen. amen. Uh, really a disaster. There was one woman here who is showing forth what it is. To have a lazy slob. 
Not that we know any of them. But listen to what this lady says. And it's real powerful. She says like this. Why would any husband have any attraction to a lazy, messy, addle-brained wife? Her house looks like it's if they've moved in yesterday. She never cooks a meal. Everything is in cans or frozen. Her kids eat sent-in delivered food. Yet this slob's house... No, yet this slob's husband treats her like a, a doll. He calls her poopsie and pet and covers the telephone But when he wakes up with a blanket so she can sleep and get rest. On weekends, he does the laundry and he does all the work. She says, me instead, I get up at 6 a.m. and I fix my husband's breakfast and I make his shirts and tailor them. Because he doesn't like the ones at the store. They don't fit him right. If my husband ever goes to empty a wastebasket, I faint. Once when I phoned him at work and asked him to pick up a loaf of bread on the way home, he swore at me for five minutes. The more you do for a man, the less he appreciates it. I feel as an unpaid housekeeper, not a wife. What goes on anyways? The moose, he calls me. Uh, I need a response. And so this lady responds and she says, Look, a marriage license is not a guarantee that the marriage is going to work any more than a fishing license assures you that you're going to catch fish. It merely gives you a legal right to try to be a, a participant in this process. Now, this prayer of the servant of Abraham is powerful. Um, they say that if someone else was... Involved in finding a wife for their son, uh, if it was an immature servant, he would have thrown a beauty pageant. He would have picked a wife according to the outward apparel and the attraction of outward beauty. I've seen this to be a curse in many instances. A lot of men have told me they would give back uh, the opportunity uh, with regards that they were sold on the exterior and there was no interior. And so here it is, in his prayer, he puts up. Now let it be that this young man, verse 15, as the woman approaches, it happened before he had finished speaking, that behold, Rebekah, she was born from Bethuel. She was born in the house of God. Son of Milcah, wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with a pitcher, say with me, on her shoulder. We're not to pick a wife until she has a capacity to shoulder responsibility. The biggest curse is to go for a woman who has done nothing. And you bring her into your house and she's going to do nothing. She has no experience in the field of responsibility. So highlight that in your Bibles and make sure that you know that the woman that you Choose for your son is someone who has shouldered the weight of responsibility. She has shouldered the weight of ministry. She has shouldered the weight of obedience. She's honored the house. 
She's about the business. Verse 16, she's not prancing and dancing free from responsibility. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold. She had never been with another man, intimate, and no man had known her. She went down to the well and filled up her pitcher and she was coming back up. Verse 17. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. The people always judge these verses as saying, you know something, some people will only do what they're asked. Look for someone who's going beyond just the realm of doing the necessary. Verse 18, where she says, she said, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let down her pitcher to her hand and gave him some drink. Verse 19, she followed up saying, and when she had finished giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until, say with me, they, they are satisfied. satisfied. Not just a little bit. It's going full blast, full. I'm going to end this thing until they had finished drinking. Verse 20. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran back to the well to draw another and drew and drew and drew and drew and she's not throwing a fit and she's not irritable and she's not tired and she's not lazy and she's not quitting and she's not giving up and she's not throwing the towel and she's not threatening separation. She's drawing and drawing and drawing from the well. You know what the well is? The presence of God. She's not being overwhelmed. She's not quitting. She's not giving up. She has found where to draw from. In John chapter 4, we find another woman who says there's no water there. You don't have how to carry it. There's no rope. She puts a million excuses. A million excuses. And this woman is willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that she's championing the cause that's entrusted to her. Verse 21. His brother's name, you, you changed it, 421 is 2421. Chapter 24, please. The man wondering at her remained silent as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. This, this observation period is so important. Um, a lot of people say that the best advice for finding a companion is before you get married, open your eyes very wide. And then after you get married, close them a little bit. Check it out. Check everything out. Make sure you do a background check. Background, front ground, side ground. Put them through hell and high water. Put her at the challenge. This is not something to be taken lightly. He was wondering, remain silent, to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous. A lot of people have an issue with this word tonight. Because now... They start wondering, maybe I picked the wrong one. Too late. Too late. 
This is not an opportunity to say, like a friend of mine says, I married the wrong woman. You had three kids with her. Now is the opportunity for you to be wiser and to be able to help your children. If you're single, this is a treat for you tonight. Wondering whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Verse 22. A lot of people, when I share at the marriage counselings and the sessions they come in, and the premarital sessions, remember, Joey, they tell you, man, you've taken all the romance out of this stuff. I guarantee you that when you get married, you're going to want romance, but you're going to want character more than romance. You're going to want faithfulness more than all the brouhaha, brouhaha. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took and he began to give her the adornments and bracelets and began to give her jewelry and they had weight of value. This is powerful. We had the, the situation here where one guy came and he says, you know something, I'm the prince of Egypt and I'm going to give you everything. And I'm like, listen, you want my advice? Tell this guy to bring you his bank account, his bank statement. He cannot be telling you that he owns gold and silver and he's a prince and he can't show you the money. Show me the money. Show me how this is going to be something other than your fantasy. Jewelry, 23, verse 23. How many are thanking God for tonight? Whose daughter are you? This question is the single most filtered question that I ask. In other words, where in God's heaven do you come from? Because if they tell you, I live in hell, and I want to continue to live hell, and I'm going to make sure your life is a hell, that is the devil's daughter. Whose daughter are you? Are you going to make me a king? Are you a king maker? Or are you a puppet maker? You live in a circus. Do you care about our family name? Do you care about our legacy? Do you care about where the region you live in? Where, who are you? Tell me, please, is there dwelling in your father's house for us to lodge? A lot of people want to leave their home and find their companion. The best way to do it is to leave your home and get married. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two will be one. If, you, if a person has rebelled against their parents and their family, you're going to have a great time trying to form a family out of a rebel. It's not going to happen. So this question is super important. In this context, there, we're living in a generation, there are not many families, and there are not, not many people that can say, I have a dad that will take care of me. Uh, one day, a gentleman came here uh, to ask Paulette. She's like, man, I knew you were going to go there, Pastor. I want to marry you. And Paulette says, yeah, but you got to go talk to my dad. Dad, I don't know your dad. Yeah, I have a spiritual dad. And you go sit down and talk with him. 
and I'll be praying for you. <laughs> Sir, where are you going to live with Paulette's mom? I'm going to join the family. And whose car are you going to drive? Paulette's mom's car, Norma. And who's going to feed you? Norma cooks very well. I said, sir, as far as I'm concerned, there's a father in this house. And until you get a job and you find a car and you find out where you're going to do, you cannot marry our daughter. You cannot come and take our prized possession. Out there, they give themselves away. There is no father. There is no family. They are daughters of no one. But God has made provision for you to have a house and for you to have a dad. Well, the man went and he got his father and came back with a gun. I didn't know this, but as I came out the following day, I went over there and he was coming in and I saw the big guy that wanted our daughter. And, and, and he says, how you doing? I said, sir, tonight, and I was going to teach that night on manhood. You're going to find out what we do here, and you will decide if you are, you, you want to accept it. You want to participate. So he sat down with his son for 15 minutes right there. I'll never forget because after they told me the story, I was like, man, I was almost a dead man. <laughs> and 15 minutes into the word of God, he told his son, come on, you idiot. You and I are both clowns, and these people are serious. And they got up and they left. So people didn't know why they were leaving, so they followed them out, and that's when we found out the guy had a gun. But I'm willing to die for our daughters. I'm willing to stand strong and not say anybody could just have anybody. Amen. Really important. Is there room in your father's house for us to stay? Can we come and get to know the family what 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 is the surroundings what 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 allows them to what are their priorities what are their what are their rules what are their how do they govern their affairs verse 24 please show me and she said to him i'm a daughter of bethuel i am a daughter i'm not a fly by night i'm not an orphan i'm not a prodigal i'm not a wayward woman Milka's son, whom she bore to Nair. We have a family lineage. Verse 25. We're a part of a place. Listen, gypsies are not part of places. Nomads are not part of places. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and we have plenty of food. And we, I'm not leaving the house to hang on to nothing and to nobody and to nowhere. I'm grounded. Verse 26. There's enough food even to feed. The man, man, he, he, he bowed down his head and began to say, thank you, Jesus. This is a divine connection. This is God fulfilling the high call. Verse 27. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham who has not forsaken his mercy. God is keeping his promises. He's not going to put all these things into place and it not come to pass. It's impossible. He's not going to put these, these, they call them the principles of God's word. When I sat down with my daughter and, and I'm reading this to her, not because I thought she was going to get married at 12, but just in case. 
And I said, sweetie, this is, this is the game plan. This is what God wants. This is what God has for you. This is not a fly-by-night emotional romance eloping scenario. This is God, a faithful God. He wants you to, whenever the scenario arises, for you to take this and put it in our living room in the context of family. And for us to know and for us to discuss and for us to talk about. This is not to be done in hidden. I, I was blessed uh, about two years ago. Um, my wife started cleaning out the closets. And she started going through five years of all the process of courting with her family and us. And my, my daughter was able to go through every page and read every letter and see every card. And everything was done out in the light. There's no greater blessing. I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ allows you to walk in the light and to do things out in the open. And it's a blessing. And it keeps devils and demons out because they dwell in dark and hidden places. Whatever you're doing in dark, the devil has his hand on it. But if you do things in the light, 1 John 1, 7 says, because he is in the light. And if we're in the light as he is in the light, then we have a godly connection. So there, everything's happening out front. Thank you that you have blessed my master, Abraham, who has not forsaken, you have not forsaken his mercy and your truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Uh, I, I, I made a connection to somebody who has the same heart, the same spirit. Verse 28, the Lord led me straight to a person that loves the vision. Verse, uh, let's go to verse 28. So the young woman ran and told her mother, her mother's household, these things. This is what's taking place. Listen, I'll, I'm going to play that video of Andrea and Mark proposing this. When was it? I don't even know because I'm living in heaven. I'm living in eternity all the time. Listen to me. When I see Mark and Andrea surrounded by all the family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, fa spiritual fathers, spiritual uncles, spiritual brothers, little brothers. The little girls were holding the sign. Listen, a champion is coming. A champion and a prince is coming to take away the princess who's been faithful to God. And all that's happening in the family context, it becomes a curse when we don't want that. When we want to go somewhere full with strangers, people we don't know, people we're not uh, committed to, we're not engaged in. That, that was glorious. That's heaven on earth. Every single one of those people that were part of that engagement sees God all over it. There's no fear. There's no doubt. There's no worry. She went and told all these things to her family. Verse 29. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out to the man by the well. Who is the person... Who wants to have my sister? You cannot have one of us be indifferent to someone who's about to take treasure. You can't have dad sitting in the living room watching cable and the clowns out in the living room without going sitting next to him. I can't wait to see Richard Romero put his daughter up to the challenge. <laughs> I want to be there. Lord, please let me have that opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to see that. Look at, look at this, this expression. I want you to see this video. And you tell me what part of this you don't want. I know what part of it the devil doesn't want. But you tell me what part of it you don't want. 
Let's watch this video. This was, what's the day again? Monday night, right? 9.30, 9 o'clock, Fort Lauderdale Airport. She's coming back from New York. kingdom of God that's what Abraham is worried about that's what that's what the servant wants the brothers running out verse 20 uh, we went to we went to Mexico and some guy came and he wanted to marry one of the girls there and, and so we put him in a room he said you want to marry one of the girls come here she's an older girl she's 28 he's 29 30 years old he's an accomplished man he's, he's working he's, and we sat him down in a room and says hey listen to me what's your deal and he goes like this he goes, I only have one question. I go, what's your question? He goes, why are you guys messing? Why are you guys messing around with my business? I'm like, boy, you have no clue where you're at right now. You have no idea where you're sitting right about now. Because my friend, I didn't go to your neighborhood. I didn't seek you out. I didn't find you out. You're sitting here asking us for a daughter. Thank God, he, he got the picture. He, he, got, he got adjusted. <laughs> this is what's going on. She runs to her brother. Verse 30, the brother comes out. He meets the man as well. This is a family ordeal. You're coming in. Verse uh, 30, so it came to pass when he saw the, the evidence. 
when he did the background check, the bracelets, when he saw, he heard the words from his sister saying, this man, this is the way he speaks to me. This is the way he converses. That he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. Verse 31. I'm going to tell you what happened in one of our uh, past trips here about two months ago, three months ago. A man came up to me and says, how many camels do you want for Nick? I have a daughter that I want for Nick. This is, this is something that, that is real. Not, obviously, we're not going to go to the zoo and get camels, but I'm talking about this, this is people know how to pay for what has high price. And the things that are given away for free have no value. Have no value. You, you could talk to Pastor Palma. Palma, you paid a high price, son. Absolutely. Absolutely. It wasn't going to happen in a second. I said, brother, you, you all, man, you better start bringing in camels. Absolutely. You better bring a, a word from the throne room of God. This is not going to be, we're, no way. Absolutely not. Come in, you who come from the Lord. The devil didn't send you, God did. Why do you stand outside? Respect, for I have prepared the house. There's the, we've been waiting for this day. Some of you guys need to anticipate the day that this is coming. I'm anticipating. I'm waiting for the, the women that God has for my sons and the man. Oh, the man. Oh, the man that he has for my daughter. He's going to be a righteous world changer. Absolutely. He's going to be serious about God. He's going to be faithful. He's not going to be a nomad gypsy traveling from place to place in desert. We'll go, let's go. Let's go. Let's finish this up. Came to the house and unloaded the camels and provided straw and fed the camels. And there was provision to wash the feet and, feet of, uh, and the feet of the men who were with him. There was a whole entourage in this. Verse 33. The Lord's Supper. Food was set before him to eat. And he said, I will not eat until I have told you about my errand. I'm not here just to pass time. Uh, somebody was talking about a movie. I was talking to Carlos Estrada yesterday. He says there's a movie called Old Fashioned. And he says you shouldn't be dating anyone who's not interested in knowing if you're marriage material. You're not supposed to just go and be with someone just that it's called dating. You're not supposed to do that. I want everybody, I think we should watch that movie together. Old Fashioned. How to do things the right way. You want to know why? We have lost any scope of reality and principles. Men do not know how to do this. And you see him at the weddings. You're like, stand over there. And they go like there. And the man goes and he's just standing. He's a non-participant. He's being told where to stand for pictures. And he's not asking any questions. And he's not figuring out who this guy is who's ransacking his life. I'm not going to be a part of any celebration until we get down to business. Don't invite me to your house to want my children without telling me that you want my children. That's not the purpose. And he said, speak on. Okay, so let's get on with the subject. A lot of people don't like to talk about this stuff. Verse 34. So he said, I'm Abraham's servant. I have a source. I have a background. I have where this is all started. This is the story. This is what's been going on. You should have a story. Uh, you should have a background. You should have a legacy. Verse 35. 
The Lord has blessed my master greatly, has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, has established and prospered him, male and female, servants and camels and donkeys. This man is, this man is connected to God. You don't have to marry somebody who has a desire to live in, in sheer poverty because he's rebellious, he's disobedient, he's disrespectful, he's a transient, he's not grounded, he's not fruitful. He's not consistent. That's not, you're not supposed to say, I'm Julia, he's Romeo, I'm going to die with this guy. No. No. 50 million times no. Make sure that God is with him. Verse 36. We're not talking about vanity, by the way. I'm not talking about um, earthly treasures. I'm talking about heavenly character. Sarah's uh, my master's wife. And bore him a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. You know who you give all that you have? Say with me, faithful son. That's what he's saying. He's, she's not, she, he's not selling the son as somebody who has no financial woes. Listen to me. M the most of the miserable people we meet have no financial woes. And their character is rotten. She's saying here he was a faithful son to inherit all that his father has. He's a faithful son. Verse 37. Let's speed up now. I need the guy back there to wake up a little bit. Verse 37. Now my master made me swear, you shall not take a wife. He's not looking for just anybody. The people that, that are part of this process know that they're under scrutiny and know that, that we're not just going to pick anybody who comes by. We're not desperate. We're not, we're, not, we're, not, uh, we're not stripped for opportunity. You can leave with anybody whenever you want, but if you're waiting on God... Wait that his promises come true. Verse 38. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. Those were the instructions he had. Verse 39. And I said to my master, perhaps a woman will not follow me. Verse 40. And he said to me, the Lord before I walk will send his angel. There will be a messenger. He will prosper your way and you shall take a wife for my son from my family, my family's house, my father's house. Verse 41. It'll be same DNA. You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family. If, she, uh, if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from your oath. So his, his, uh, it, what he's been entrusted to is released at that point. Verse 42. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord, prosper my master Abraham if you will now prosper the way in which I go. Verse 43. Behold, I stand at a well, and he tells the whole story, and draw, please give me a little water for a pitcher to drink. Verse 44, and she says to me, drink, and I'll draw for your camels, and let her, uh, let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. 45, but before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with a pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down to the well and drew the water, and I said to her, so he relates the whole story, please let me drink. Verse 46, we're finishing up here. And she made haste and let her pitcher down and drink, and I will give your camels also. So I drank, and she gave the camels also to drink. 47, then I asked her and said, whose daughter are you? Super important question. I, I've told a lot of girls, a, a lot of single women that...
you decide if you're his daughter. And if you're his daughter, you invite the gentleman to come to the family. And she said, I'm the daughter of Bethuel. I have a place where I come from whom Michael bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her and with bracelets and uh, wrist, uh, bracelets on her wrist, verse 48. I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord. Uh, the devotion to God needs to be present who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Verse 49. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Verse 50. Then Laban and Bethel answered and said, This thing, everybody say with me, comes from the Lord. This is God. This is not man. We didn't come up with a great idea. This is not we're shipping off our daughter because she's getting older. What a curse to be about that, that dilemma, to not trust God. This thing comes from the Lord. And we cannot, we, we, if we were to judge this thing, we cannot speak against it. We cannot ruin what God is doing. I remember early on in my daughter's life, when, how old was she? Six? She's six years old. Her little cousins were going around and says, oh, your dad's not going to let you get married till you're 35. Your dad's not going to let you get married. And I was there, and they're bothering her. And she turns to me and she says, Dad, you will not interfere with God's plans for my life. She's six. And I said, I'm not going to mess with God's plans in your life. I know that if it's God's plans, I don't care if you're 10 or 11. I'll marry you off. Um, but the scenario is that that's what they were saying. This is God all over it. And we're not going to speak into this. Verse 51. Somebody nudge him. There he goes. Here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son and wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass, when the Abraham servant heard their words, that he worshipped the Lord, bowing to the earth. The servants brought out the jewelry and clothing and gave to Rebecca and gave her precious things to her brother. And listen, there's nothing wrong with blessing the family. So you want to bless the family, bless the family. It goes on to say, verse 54, And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. They arose, verse 54, right? They arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. But, Mama Suegra, her brother and her mother said, Let her stay with us a few days, at least ten. That becomes a curse. We, we want parents to let go so their children go to the next season of their life. There's, there's some parents have told their sons, you're not ever going to get married and I'm going to make sure. There's some mothers who have told their daughters, I'm going to make sure that anybody comes to the door, I'm going to ruin it for you. And that's a curse. They were hindering. And he says, verse 56, he said to them, do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I might go to my master. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. I really believe that there's a season where when everything lines up, when the church is lined up, God is lined up, the family's lined up, ultimately it becomes the girl's decision. 
to say, I'm, I also agree. I, I believe that, that some, some places, everybody's in agreement but the girl. You better make sure the girl is in agreement also. That she, we will call her and ask her personally. She's into it. And then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will. I thought that whole process, verse 59, so they sent away Rebecca, her sister, and her nurse, the people that would be in her entourage, that would be her helpers, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her these words. They said, oh, sister, may you become the mother of, the example of thousands and of ten thousands. And may those that come afterwards, your descendants, your children, those that you birth, those that you produce, may they possess the gates of those who hate them. So Rebekah and her maids arose, verse 61, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Verse 62, you guys know what Isaac is doing, right? Isaac came from the way, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to med, uh, meditate in the field in the evenings. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and there were the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted the camels. For she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And told her, uh, and the servant told Isaac all the things that had happened. Verse 67, Isaac brought her into the mother's Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted when his mom had already departed. Let's stand tonight. My friends, this becomes the reality in our lives to establish godly homes and blessed sons and prosperous daughters and great church a lot of people fear this process because they're going to say somebody's going to mess up with my life I want to tell you that God doesn't mess up he's a faithful God and this aspect is also the case that the servant represents the Holy Spirit seeking a wife for Jesus the son of God you are Rebecca. God wants you to be faithful. To answer to the servant's cry about being lined up and diligent to be the wife of Christ. To be the bride of the Lord. The Holy Spirit's direction in your life would declare to you the heartbeat of Christ. And all the things he has prepared for us. And that we would be willing to accept the engagement that we be willing to walk in the direction of the Lord that we honor him with with the Bible says with glorious garments white linen that it would be glorious and in this whole process there's no shame there's no embarrassment there's no regret there's no doubt all that stuff is worldliness all that stuff is ungodliness may God make us wise in our pursuit to find companions for our children, for the sons and daughters of this house. You know what we're doing with the single women? We're preparing them to be keen makers. 
And God's not going to give you one of his sons for you to make him your puppet. You don't need to trash a prince. You don't need to make him abdicate and to run from his call, lifelong calling. Father, thank you tonight for this gift. Thank you for finding and choosing a world-changing mate as a message that will be a, a classic in this house for many years to come, that we might walk in that understanding that this is provided for us in the journey of faith, Lord, a family of faith, a church that cares about godly offspring, godly seed, godly example in a twisted world, oh God. I rebuke Satan and all his accusations and all his doubts and all his words and weapons formed against us, Lord, that tarnish and distort the things you want to do in our lives, that we might have a confidence that there are daughters and they have a house and they have brothers and they have a father and they have the scrutiny and protection to be launched into world-changing marriages and families. And we declare every single person in this place fruitful, fruitful ground to receive the provisions, to join and to be one with someone else, put away selfishness, and to lift up a prince, a king maker, one who becomes a king, having authority, having direction, having territory, where he exercises the kingdom of God. We give you thanks for all those who have honored this house. We give you thanks for all the single people that are waiting patiently and victoriously to see promises fulfilled. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.